Well, an Englishman and a Canadian and a Frenchman were all captured, allies in common effort, and this was a long time ago when they had firing squads, and they were, uh, they were brought before uh, this tribunal, and they were sentenced, and uh, they were given a last request, and the, uh, the, the Brit, he said, well, I'd, I'd like one final cup of, of, of a proper cup of, of tea, and... Um, and the Canadian said, I'd like 15 minutes to speak about Canadian identity. And the Frenchman said, I'd like to be shot before his speech. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you today about identity. Don't shoot me, all right? I'm going to talk to you today about your identity. It's, it's, it's a tough subject to wade into. We're talking about being under construction, but we're going to go right at the very heart of the matter today of your identity. And there is a certain order that we have to, to place uh, upon being and doing, that we are before we do. And, and so often we get that reverse, that, that doing enables us to be rather than, than, than being what we're already called to be enables us to do. And, and so if there's any great summary of the Christian life, that's it, that, that we're reversing the flesh and the world and, and the evil ones' whispers that say you have to, to do in order to be. And the great news is that, is that God calls us out. He makes us, he's making us something in order that we can then respond but we have old, old voices in our heads. We have old voices from the playground. We have an old picture from the playground. You remember uh, being on the playground and, and, and lining up to, to play kickball. And of course, you, you have to choose teams, right? Choosing teams on the playground. Isn't that fun? Remember that? Oh, I loved that. You know, no, nobody liked that except for the guy with the big thunderfoot, right? I mean, there's one person on the playground who enjoys the process of choosing teams because nobody wants to be chosen last and few of us even like to be chosen second, right? And that, but that's the picture. That's the picture that we often have. Uh, 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 we wake up with a picture of auditioning for our lives again. The picture that you're going to see here in this section of Romans chapter 8, we're going through Romans chapter 8 through this whole series. The picture is a different picture. It's, it's more of a family reunion. See, many of us wake up, we'll wake up tomorrow on that playground and we think we're auditioning for our lives. But what Paul is saying to the Roman church is this. You're waking up in a grand rambling Victorian house with a wraparound porch and you're home. You're part of the family. You belong. Do you wake up with a, a confidence that you belong? That you are somebody? Or do you wake up with a sense that you have to prove it all over again? You know, we have these voices. I, I have the voice. I have that same kind of self-critical voice. And, and, and sometimes it, the self-criticism is very constructive, but sometimes it comes from a, a place of shame, a deep place of shame. My, my wife can tell when, when I'm just sort of beating myself up about something. You know, I, 
you know, I, it, it's almost like I have Tourette's, you know, I just kind of, oh, ah, and it's just, I, it just kind of comes out and maybe I'm taking a shower and she's hearing me and she's going, what's going on? Did you drop the soap on your toe? I mean, are you okay in there? You know, and I just, sometimes I, I, I think about something I said and I think, oh, why did I say that? And instead of it being a constructive voice of, of self, self-critical voice, it's, a, a voice that says that, that that comes from a place of assurance and peace, you know, like you, I I I I have a voice in my head that that's self-critical that comes from a place of shame, and I sometimes wake up on the playground instead of in that grand picture that you're about to hear of a family reunion. You know, I think a lot of us. We, we look at this, this idea of being under construction and we, we worry about it because as soon as we start thinking about these, these issues, it, it gets painful. And so the question today is, how do, we, how, do we, how do we embrace the idea that we're not there yet? How do we embrace this idea that the picture has already been painted Knowing that there's going to be some pain to it, like I just described. You know, there's a way to avoid pain. There's a way to avoid the pain of becoming or of change, the pain of personal change. There's a way to avoid it, and that's just don't even think about it. Don't even take any risks. You know, you, you all have heard me say before, I grew up water skiing. I love water skiing. I love the idea. I love teaching people to ski. And I, I tell my kids whenever we get a chance to go skiing, I say, you know, if, if, you, don't, if you don't want to uh, be humiliated out there, uh, then don't take any risks. But then when they get back in the boat and they didn't fall, I said, if you didn't fall, you didn't try hard enough. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 it's going to take a long time to sort all that out, I'm sure. But if you didn't fall, maybe you're not trying hard enough. What? Now, here's the question. What will give us the assurance to keep risking? To keep pushing towards that grand vision. It's the assurance. Romans chapter 8. So then, brother, and don't be thrown off by the male language. Now look, when, when this is written to, to men, by men to men, but it's representative of humanity. Uh, and, and sometimes I, I, I have to remind us that you know, the amazing thing here is, is that there is a revolution going on where grace is to all of humankind. And don't, don't forget that just because it's worded in a certain way. This scripture brought that revolution, men and women. So then, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. See, there's the picture. Sonship versus slavery. Are you a child of God, or are you a slave to that voice of shame? did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Adoption. 
by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let's pray together. Father, paint the picture again this morning, not only of who you are, but of who we are becoming. Children, not slaves. In Jesus' name, amen. So where's the purpose in the pain? How do we find purpose in the pain of change, of personal change? You know, the the gospel of grace needs to work itself into different parts of our lives. I've said that before, but the the thing that we're running at today is that when you do that, you you do disrupt (laughs) some things that were carefully put away. And it's painful. For grace to replace something, you, you have to confront that something. For grace to replace a pattern in your life, you, you have to out it. You have to deal with it. You have to look at it and see what it is. How do, we, how do we find purpose in that pain? How do we find a sense of assurance to push through the pain? Well, there, there are two assurances we, we get here. Two assurances in this passage. First is this, that there is a blueprint, and God already sees you that way. And and so your life is a becoming of what he's already picturing you to be. There's a vision for your life. It's already there. There's a blueprint. That's the first assurance, and we're going to dig into that. The second is that you're along the way. There is a, a vision. There is a picture of what you're becoming. That's the first bit of assurance. Who you are is already settled. You're not a slave, you're a child. It's already a done deal. Boom, right? Some of you don't believe it. And that's your problem. (laughs) That's my problem. I don't always wake up every day believing it. And I slink back to an old picture And when I picture myself a different way, guess what happens? I start acting like that picture, right? Now I'm getting ahead of myself. There's a picture already, and you're somewhere along the way to that picture. Those are the two assurances. First, there is a blueprint. And so you can can have some assurance in the pain of becoming what God has already painted for you. You can have some assurance in the pain of that that it's worthwhile, it's purposeful to examine yourself and to look at the scriptures and the pain of personal change. You can have assurance that it is purposeful knowing that there is a blueprint. It's promised to you. I want to tell you a story to illustrate this point about Bob Bowman who is uh, Michael Phelps' coach. Bob Bowman is the coach of Michael Phelps, the Olympic, Olympic champion. You, know, you, all, you, all, you all have seen the picture of him on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated, or at least a, a picture of the picture of, of the cover of Sports Illustrated, with, with all those eight medals. Eight 
gold medals. Did you know that that was the picture that Bob Bowman painted for Michael Phelps? Did you know that that vision for his life, for, uh, for his training was the very picture that he was going for. It, it's not everything about his training. It's not everything about the vision. But, but if you look at Bob Bowman's 10 sort of uh, tips on, on being a good coach, it's, it's to help someone have a picture of what they're going to achieve. And, it, and it's a big, grand picture. A lot of times we're, we're afraid of, of a big grand picture of our lives because, again, we're, we're afraid of that failure. We're afraid that, that, that if we don't do it right or if we fail a little bit. And, and so it's, it's easy just to, to lower our sights, right? Not take the risk. Then to deal with the pain of failure. Bob Bowman says, now here's the vision, Michael. This is what you're going for. This is what the, makes the pain of, of changing your lifestyle, of changing your thought. And, and you say, well, Tim, yeah, that's great. But, but uh, I saw him, I saw him uh, in a more, compromising, uh, m- a more compromised state, too. I saw a picture of him, uh, you know, facing drug, uh, drug rehab. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because once that picture had been achieved, then what? What was his picture next? He didn't have a vision for his life following the eight medals around his neck. He had no vision for his life following that. No vision. And so what did he do? He did what, what's being said in verse 13. Let's look at it again. Chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, look... We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, you have not been given a spirit of, of slavery to fall back in fear. Now, let's pull all this together with a picture of, of Coach Bowman and Michael Phelps and, and the vision for the, and the blueprint that's ahead of us. You see, what, what happens is, This is what happens. We face some challenge. We face some voice. We face some some personal risk or we're dealing with a season of difficulty and we begin to forget that the picture is already painted. That the the question of, of your purpose and value in life is a settled question. It's not an open question. It's a settled question. And what we end up doing is we let fear drive us back to an old pattern. That is, do in order to be. We go back to a sl- becoming a slave to that auditioning on the playground. We begin to believe that we have to do in order to become. But what Paul is saying to the Roman church is, you are already a child of God. And your belief itself enables you to do. It's being before doing, not doing before being. You see, Coach Bowman understood that. He understood that, that Michael needed 
in order to, to be able to accomplish more in his life. In order to, he needed that picture again. He needed to wake up in the morning in, the, in that grand, rambling Victorian house of the family reunion. He didn't need to wake up on the playground auditioning for the worth and purpose of his life. You see, the blueprint is already settled. That's the first assurance. The second assurance is this. You are somewhere along the way. <laughs> You're somewhere on the way to becoming what is already pictured. What, when, when God looks at you, he sees his blueprint for you. He doesn't see where you are. He sees who you are. You're his child. But, now here's the cruel to be kind part of this. But we have to see where we are in order to become more who he's already picturing us to be. Did you follow that? Let me say it again and again and again until we get it. All right? See, God already pictures who you are. Right? The blueprint is settled. And you're along the way. But he needs to reveal to us where we are along the way in order to empower us to become more who he's already said we are to become. And so the second assurance is is this. You are along the way. And so that when God, the Holy Spirit, reveals to you some of those less than parts, some of those misaligned parts of it, it, it hurts. It's painful. But see, Jesus didn't come to take your place in order to keep you from suffering. He came to take your place in order to do this. So that when you suffer, you can become more like him. Jesus didn't come to take your place in order to prevent you from suffering. But so that when you suffer, you may become more like him. Him. Let me paint another picture of it. Ravi Zacharias, great apologist, internationally known, a, uh, a, a, a renowned speaker, uh, university campuses around the world, great author. He was taken on a tour when he went to see uh, Ohio State and uh, to, to speak there. And he was taken to the Wexler Center for, of the Performing Arts. And, uh, and, and even before you walk in the Wexler Center of the Performing Arts, you can see that, that this, uh, the architecture is a little different. It's, it's, it's deconstructive. It's postmodern. In other words, it, it, it sort of in its construction says something about a worldview that says, does life really have any foundation? It, it, it's, it's, it's a a picture of a building of someone who breaks all the rules about architecture. And so you can see that there's a, there's a turret that's sort of divided in half and, and you wonder how it's standing. It's almost, like a, it, it, it's almost sort of like that Ripley's Believe It or Not, that, that, uh, that, that house, maybe some of you have been to Pigeon Forge, it's built upside down. It looks like that and you walk in and there's staircases that go up and they go nowhere and they're, they're, they're optical illusions that, that make it seem like uh, like this hallway is going somewhere, but it goes nowhere. And then there are columns that come halfway down from the ceiling, but they're not supporting anything. And, uh, and Ravi says to the tour guide, he says to him, he says, I wonder, as I stand under all this concrete, did they have this same worldview when they laid the foundation? 
<laughs> Do you get it? I mean, we can try on that worldview. We can try it on. But when it comes to the actual construction of a building, you want to make sure that it lines up with the principles of gravity, right? You want to make sure that everything that is holding the stuff up, that pretends not to be held up, is actually going to hold it up, right? You see, there is a blueprint, and and, and when God reveals to us that there's a column that, that, that is in a place that that shouldn't be there, it's for our good. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's difficult to see that, that what, we're, what we're doing and what we have been doing doesn't line up, but it's not to bring a sense of shame. If you feel a sense of shame, then the voice is not a self-critical voice coming from the Holy Spirit. The voice is coming from a dark place. It's coming from a pit. But that doesn't mean that God won't reveal us to us. He reveals us to us in order that we can become who we are. He, in, he reveals to us where we are along the way in order that we might become more who he already pictures us to be. You know, marriages do that. Marriages are that way. Marriages, good marriages, marriages that are working, work like this. It's not that I set out to influence my wife, Beth, but I set out to be influenced by her. It's not that she sets out to influence me, right? But she sets out, you know, on a given day to be influenced by me. It's not my job to change her. It's not her job to change me. But it is God's job to change each other through the relationships that we have. And sometimes we get pinched by each other. And we lose, we lose trust. And then we begin to lose trust for God. And here's, here's where I think our culture is today. We've lost trust for each other. And so we've lost trust for God. And so here's what we're doing. We're making it up on, as we go. And we're having, we've got columns that are flying uh, and, and we're doing things to ourselves and we're operating and we're, 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 we're pursuing life patterns that, that lead nowhere. And we're calling it my authentic, authentic self. And we, we pit the idea of, of living an authentic life over against a blueprint as though the blueprint were just some oppressive constrictive puritanical order and God's saying it's a picture of freedom it's a blueprint of freedom verse 15 let's read it again verse 15 for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received a spirit of adoption by which we cry Abba Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and heirs. It's a freedom to be honest about where we are, a freedom to be transparent, a freedom to to, to go out 
on, on a golf course and whiff it and mess up and, and be completely at ease, even though you're playing with semi-pros, scratch golfers, right? It's a free, you know, like Mark Twain, he said, you know, you, you, you can learn more about somebody in five minutes of play than five hours of conversation. Just go play a round of golf with someone and see where their identity lies <laughs> in making the shot. You see, we've lost trust. So often we've lost trust in each other. I, I remember a season of life uh, many, many years ago when I was at First Presbyterian Church Orlando and people lost trust for each other. They'd lost trust for each other and they, they, they began to lo- lose trust in God. These are people who are called to serve the church and it was an awful environment to live in and work in. And maybe that's where you are today. And you think, you know, I can't find any purpose in, in the difficult relationships or the difficult circumstances or this difficult events. I can't find any purpose in it. And God says to us in his word, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And we can find discipline in it. We can, when God is revealing you to you, you can have assurance that there is purpose in it. Because he's knocking away columns that aren't built on a sure foundation. And sometimes that is really painful. Really painful. Raymond, uh, Raymond Edmonds said it this way. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man. To play the noblest part. When he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed. Watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects, how he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses and with every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. I want you to wake up tomorrow as part of the family. You're a child of God. It's already written. If you call upon the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have already been written. Be willing to be transparent with the people around you. Be willing to see the purpose and the difficult relationships they have, even the rubs, the strains. Be willing to be somewhere along the way on this path we're calling under construction.